looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, and good luck to the Archer Park Racing team today with Count de Beans in the in the Archer, ironically. $21 chance, a Tony Gollan $21 chance in the big slot race. It's race seven today, so good luck to the team there. And, of course, if you want to know what's available for sale, just go to the, the, their website, archerparkracing.com.au. We'll be talking about the Archer later. We'll, we'll tap in with Trent Williams, the course curator, have a chat with Russell Leonard as well. Big day, of course, apart from the Archer race meeting, it's Champions Day in Sha Tin in Hong Kong, and Mike Maxworthy joins us later in the program. But first up, we've got to look back at carnivals, the start of the... Queensland Racing Carnival at Eagle Farm yesterday and the start of the Autumn Racing Carnival in Adelaide at Morfordville. The man to help me do it is Ben Dorries. How are you, mate? Yeah, good morning, David. Uh, firstly, I think uh, we should make significant mention of the passing of Dean Holland during the week, and that was a theme at racetracks right across Australia. It has been all week, but especially yesterday, uh, there were jockeys that won races all over Australia, and the first thing they did was commemorate Dean's uh, passing. John Adelaide won the Oaks um, in Adelaide. Um, you know, spoke very emotionally. Uh, even Andrew Mallion ran a race up in uh, at Eagle Farm. He wore a black armband and he, he touched the black armband. Yeah, spoke wonderfully too. Yeah, Brad Willery in Sydney spoke wonderfully as well. So, look, there was a minute's silence uh, at Eagle Farm, which was very touching as there was all around the country. So, um, to be honest, an awful week for racing, Doug. It certainly was and... Well, Probably touch on that more tomorrow morning in press room, but um, yes, it was uh, certainly an industry united in their grief yesterday. But the support will go on for the family as well. Uh, yesterday at Eagle Farm, we had two Group Twos that are listed. No shocks or surprises. A similar situation in, in Adelaide. But we're going to look at Eagle Farm first, and we'll go to the the Victory Stakes, the Channel Seven Victory Stakes. Private Eye was the favourite. Into the straight of the victory stakes. 400 left to run. Prince of Boom leads. Rothfire comes calling all of a sudden. Holyfield under pressure. Paul Laley to the outside. Private Eye, one-two with the shillelagh. He starts to run on. A king of Sparta and right down the outside. A case for you. Prince of Boom, Rothfire. The Heathcote pair in a duel from Paul Laley. Private Eye needs to pick up. King of Sparta still running on. Rothfire reached a narrow lead. Grandstand finish here. Rothfire in front. One! Rothfire! Been either King of Sparta, Prince of Boom or Paul Laley. Just behind them, Private Eye didn't accelerate well enough. A case for you close up. Then Holyfield followed by Dragon Leap and Baller last over the line. Yes, it was a busy finish. Didn't know where to look with about 100 metres to go. You could see Rothfire and Prince of Boom battling it out. But there was this charge down the outside. But in the end, uh, his bravery got him home, Rothfire. Stuck the neck out for Nash, Nash Rewiller and got the money. Yeah, terrific call, David. I think you summed it up really well in the call. Grandstand finish, that's exactly what it was. And let's face it, that was a terrific race. I mean, we've had some very good winners of the victory stakes over the years, but in terms of the depth, I reckon that was one of the deeper victory stakes we've we've arguably seen. I mean, you know, Paul Haley and Private Eye, if you don't mind, finished out of the, the placing. So... Uh, look, there were some sort of scenes, weren't there, at Eagle Farm yesterday with the big Rothfire crew all celebrating. And given what this horse has been through on several occasions, uh, his fairy tale journey just keeps continuing and it's simply remarkable. Well, as you said, there was a big ownership group in the enclosure after the race. There always is with Rothfire. And I've got to say, too, win, lose or draw, they, 
They, they take it on the chin if they get beaten, but when they win, they celebrate hard. One man who wasn't there, because he was putting the finishing touches on star Tontes in Rocky, but the archer today was the trainer of Rothfire, Rob Heathcote. He joins us this morning. Rob, good morning. Good morning, David and Ben. How, uh, where did you watch the race yesterday? Uh, I'm here in Rocky, as you say, in the apartment. I had uh, Rob Chobo and his partner and one of my staff members, and, yeah, we were glued to the TV, and we jumped and hollered and shouted, and, yeah, no, don't worry, we enjoyed it just as much. You really dominated the race, didn't you, Rob? I mean, not only with Rothfire, who, who won in terrific fashion, but Prince of Boom again ran out of his skin and, and you know, was only narrowly beating him, himself for third. It was a, a terrific race for you all round. Yeah, it was. In, in general, Ben, the, the whole team raced well yesterday. I thought there were some super runs from stablemates as well, but, you know, Prince of Boom was equally brave on a track that perhaps doesn't suit him as well as what, what Dooman is, hence the reason why... Uh, he's going to be our stable representative in the Doom in 10,000. I think his run yesterday showed that he's he's certainly going to be competitive whilst uh, Rothfile will, will enjoy a, a little bit of downtime now. Let's talk about Nash Rewilla's ride. It's pretty easy, Rob, to say when a horse wins up as a great rider. It's, it's easy to say, but I really drilled down on this ride, watching the replay a few times last night and this morning. I reckon there are three aspects to his ride that make it a very good ride. One, he did control the speed outside of Prince of Boom because he he, ma- he made sure uh, by, by sitting on Rothfire and sitting outside of Prince of Boom, he controlled the tempo. The second point was when he decided to go full throttle, when to make his move and really put the acid on Prince of Boom. And thirdly, the strength of Rawilla in the drive to the line. I think if you put all those three together, you do come up with a very good ride. Superb ride, there's no doubt in that. And, you know, thanks to, to Mark Duplessis, Mark rode him in the Ascot and we replaced him with Nash Rewiller. And, you know, Mark was a true gentleman about it. He understands that, you know, Nash is arguably in the top three in the country. And racing at this level, you put the best on that you can get. And uh, Nash was only too happy to, you know, ride the horse for us and he duly delivered. And, you know, should I say also, Jimmy Orman, you know, he'd done a super job on Prince of Boom. And you're right, the two of them on paper, it looked like they could control the race, travelling one, two. And they, they did so. So, no, I'm very proud of both my boys yesterday. It obviously only gets uh, harder as we get deeper into the Winter Carnival, but that performance would have given you great hope. Rothfire can, can be right in um, some of these group ones. I'm assuming the Kings of Smith Cup. Uh, where he's now the equal six dollar favourite would would be his next point of call. Oh, hundred percent, Ben. <clears throat> he he went close last year when Apache Chase and Paul Ely fought to finish out. When we rode Rothfire back off the speed a bit, we've now, you know, discovered that you know I can train him like a normal horse. Uh, he, he jump, run. He can sit back off them. He races best at Eagle Farm, so he can enjoy. Uh, he can enjoy a week out with with Andrew and Maddie out at Washpool Lodge and he can do some treadmill work and, you know, some water walking exercise. He won't lose any fitness and that'll that'll give me three weeks to get him ready for that 1,300 metre race, which I, I feel he's probably looking for now. He's more a 13, 1,400 metre horse. And also last year's Winter Carnival, you know, he was ever so brave in the straight break from the, from the wide alley. So the 3 million straddy, that will once again be his goal this year. Well, that was going to be my next question. Uh, do you contemplate? Well, obviously you do contemplate. I think he carried 54.5 last year. He's a little higher rated now, and certainly after yesterday's win, so a bit more weight this year. But uh, he was he was very good at the Stradbroke last year, wasn't he? 
Oh, super, super run. And that probably for the first time since his traumatic injury uh, that we were able to train him properly, like a group one performer that he is, because it's basically been, you know, walking on eggshells with him for the last couple of years. But, you know, let me give full credit to Melanie Sharp, who Mm. lives, eats and breathes this horse. She's got ice boots on him on a regular basis. We take him to the beach often to walk him through the surf, which is obviously good for his legs. And, you know, he's paid us back with his tenacity yesterday. Lovely other touch to the win. It was great to see Leah Kilner uh, on track. She's been there, um, obviously, a bit lately, but um, she's obviously had a fair bit of involvement um, or a lot of involvement with your Rob, and she seemed absolutely thrilled with the win. So given what she's been through in the last year, it was, uh, you know, emotional for, for her, I'm sure, as well, to be to you know, feel part of that win. I've been, it's emotional for all of us. And, you know, as we've already discussed, nothing is official yet because Leah is still going through, you know, quite a bit of rehabilitation from her, you know, disastrous fall at Grafton, you know, a year or so ago. And she's fought, you know, she's fought against the odds and, you know, she's going to become an integral part of our team, you know, as racing manager, assistant to myself and Melanie. And, you know, she's just, well, she's part of our family and, I just I, I still look at the text her mum sent me, you know, a few weeks back and said, Rob, I don't know what you've done to Leah, but she's got a new zest for life, and and we see it, her enthusiasm, you know, she's just great for racing, and we love having a part of her family. There were great scenes there yesterday. We talked about the big throng of owners, but I want to mention Mel Sharp as well because I think Bernie interviewed her after Leah, and uh, uh, I think the emotion just all came out, it all came to a head, and. I get that because um, people like Mel and, and people who work in yours, not just your stable, but all stables, um, they're, the, they're, they're the, the wind beneath the wings. They're the behind-the-scenes worker. But when they get involved with a horse, it means a lot to them. And throw in the fact, David, that this band of owners, you know, they're predominantly tradies and, and old Johnny Becker out at Ipswich, he's, he's well into his 80s and he can't move around a lot nowadays. It, it's a wonderful group of owners. They're, they're more friends than, than clients to me. But people have said to me even yesterday, oh, you're up in Rocky, you've got such a big team racing at home in Brisbane. And I said, I've got total faith in my staff to do a wonderful job, which which they've done. And... You know, you can accept the rewards as they come along. It's, it's just great for racing. Speaking of Rocky, I've just got my computer screen open while we've been talking. And Star Tontes, uh, your Group 1 winner, the little pumpkin you call her, uh, just in the last 30 seconds with a tab, she's firm from $3.60 to $3.20 to win the Archer today. Someone's obviously had a bet there. Um, what do you think of her prospects today? Uh, obviously, she's uh, the class runner, I'd suggest, in this field. And how did the the blueprint sort of come about to take it to Rockhampton and race in this race? Well, the blueprint actually goes back 12 months when Steve Morley, you know, from Glen Logan Park, good friend of mine, Steve first approached me and said he's got a slot holder in Rocky, Robbie Carr, that would love to team up with us and get a horse. Incidentally, it was Emerald Kingdom, who's, you know, one of our opponents today, no longer in my care, but in the care of Desley. Um, You know, we had success last year when he won and you know, we formed a good friendship and association with Rob and his wife, Leone, and and I said, I'll, I'll come back with, with a horse next year. And obviously the prize money's gone up to, you know, 750000 so it's certainly a lucrative race and, and well worth winning. And, you know, I'm more than happy to be up here with, with my good mate Rob Chobo and 
and Jack, my staff member, and the whole group of owners flew up last night. And my wife, she's on her way from the... Well, she's in the air now as I talk, so she's going to join us today. So hopefully the little pumpkin can can get the job done today. It's not going to be easy. It's a quality field. You know, some of the best trainers all over Australia, the best jockeys. It's a very fair track with a 600-metre run-in. So I've got uh, arguably our... Number one jockey here in Queensland at the moment, Jimmy Orman. He, he's so so patient and calm and cool under pressure. And we know we're going to be in the back half of the field. It's just a matter of hoping that the race is not tempo-biased. I, I hope they run it along at a genuine speed, which it looks to on paper. And, and Jimmy can unleash you inside the 300 and she'll go bang. What do you see, apart from your girls, the sort of big guns that you have to beat in the race? I mean, has the betting market sort of got it right? I'm just having a look at now. Emerald Kingdom, Surf Dancer, Mautai, all, all under double figures. Are they the ones? Or, or um, I suppose it's quality everywhere, but what do you sort of single out as, as the main threat to your winning chances? Oh, I think the main threat, Ben, is tempo. Yep. That, that's the key. I mean, we saw in the Ascot, you know, I think the electronic timers on um, Startontes, they showed she ran that last 632 meets. I mean, if she can do that today, they won't beat her. Simple as that. But it depends on the tempo of the race, uh, how they run it along, and, and Jimmy's timing. I, I think she's good enough, but you're right, class. There's, there's class right through the 12 runners in this race. So, you know, hopefully it's, a, it's an incident-free race, it's clean racing, and every horse gets their chance. You're in the box seat to go back-to-back in the Archer. Good luck with Star Tondos and a good result yesterday, and thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks, lads. Pleasure. Rob Heathcote, the winning trainer of Rothfire, and he also provided the third place get a Prince of Boom. King of Sparta split them, and typical King of Sparta from the back, strong at the end. Private Eye, even Brendan Avdala, when questioned about the performance, thought he raced disappointingly. Yeah, probably didn't. For his stand. Yeah, I, I think so. Probably didn't get quite clear room at the end there. I thought Paul Laley... Um, was I mean, got beaten less than a half a length, but I, I must admit, I thought watching the race, I thought Paul Ailey's just in the box seat here, mm-hmm. one out, one back, you know, look out here, but, but just didn't probably have that zing. So um, I'll tell you what, one to watch, I'm not sure exactly what Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr. are going to do with this horse, but a case of you um, was never going to win. But ran home really nicely, I thought. There's a good race in store for that horse. You, you beat me to the punch around the quickest sectional, 33.82, one of the few horses to break 34 at Eagle Farm yesterday. You knew that, of course. Of course I knew that. I'm at, time, <laughs> I'm at, I'm at times in sectional That was being studied under a lamp last night as you, <laughs> as you uh, prepared for uh, your sleep. That was the victory stakes. Let's go to the other group, too, the last race, the Sky Racing Queensland Guineas and Kovalika was the, the get-out for many punters. Nash was riding. It was the favourite. On to the turn of the Guineas. 500 left to run. Coco Brew Express at huge odds. Straight in front from Perfect Thought coming calling. Then Brookhaven. Bullock off to the outside. Here's Brosnan putting in a run. Kovalika starts to wind up at the right time. White tag of the Vals right down the outside. Perfect Thought drove to the lead. Bullock off after it. Brosnan deeper. Brookhaven up on the inside. And here comes Kovalika. Kovalika the favourite is launching. But still Perfect Thought in front. They haven't got it as yet. Perfect Thought the leader. Kovalika drove, got up! Kovalika won the guineas, beat Perfect Thought photo finish third Bullockoff is there with Brookhaven and the vowels out wider Brosnan, Tabble, Doodle, Do and No and a deal behind them. Then Whitehack, followed by Coco Brew Express, Nippers Nightcap. The Fortune Teller never got into it. And the last trio were Lady Ladar, Magadan and Rising Pacific. <coughs> it was a great finish to the day. Um, Punters love to see the last race favourite win. Nash is the pin-up boy. 
and he drove hard on Kovalika, and Kovalika drove hard as well to get perfect thought, who'd led for the major part of the straight, only being overhauled in the shadows of the post. Let's talk about Kovalika from the owner's point of view, and Neville Morgan joins us this morning. Nev, good morning. We got him there? Not hearing him, though. Try again, you're there, Dev. Hello. Dev, how are you, mate? No, we're having we're having issues. He can't he can't hear us. We'll try and get him back. Um, this horse now two twenty five for the Queensland Derby in a month's time. Uh, it's looking all very good. Yeah, that was a very strong win. Um, looked tricky in the race, didn't it? Didn't Nash couldn't quite get in at the start. Uh, was trapped wide. I just think he knew the horse he had underneath him though. Um, and yeah, two dollars twenty-five if you don't mind for the Derby. So that bookmakers are already signalling the strength of that win as something potentially pretty special from a Group One point of view. Looking forward, it's a perfect path forward. A good first up run in Sydney, then that race, then the traditional path, rough habit into the Derby. Let's see if Nev's there now. Nev, good morning. Good morning. Thanks Hello. for. Yep, yeah, have you got us there? I've got you. I can hear you. And I can hear you. That's all that counts. Now, your owner, David Devine, handled the presentation duties yesterday. He was very uncharitable to you. He said that you were playing golf. You should have been at Eagle Farm. And he said he didn't think you were playing golf that well anyway. Not very nice from you, from your good mate. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll Dave. I actually watched the, watched <laughs> the race on the uh, 15th at Tweed Heads, and I think I parred the next hole, so <laughs> life is good. <laughs> Watching the race, I was assuming you watched it on your phone, Nev. Uh, a few nervous yeah. moments, I guess, when he, he couldn't get in and seemed to be posted there for a while. But, gee whiz, he was strong late, wasn't he? It's hard to, hard to tell on your phone, uh, Ben, but you're right. I couldn't quite make him out, but I, I could see that he was, he was at least he was three wide. Uh, he seemed to have a bit of cover, but at the same time, uh, travelling three wide in the 1,600-metre race at Eagle Farm is not, uh, not a good plan normally. Um, but uh, Nash told my wife after the race, and I think he may have said to you guys, that he never was really worried uh, because he had galloping room. He knew that if um, if he went back to the inside, he might get cluttered up. Uh, so he was happy to stay there and uh, give the horse every chance. It's a good point he, he makes, Nev, because I remember Chris Munn saying something, something to me once, and things stick in my mind. That he, it was when he was riding, and... He won a race, he was off the track. He said, look, he said, it's not ideal to be caught wide. He said, but if you've got the right horse and it gets into the right rhythm, there's no drama. So it's more sometimes about rhythm than, than, than where you're actually positioned on the fence or one out. And Nash said that yesterday. He said he got into a lovely rhythm, but he also knew he had the horse underneath him. Yeah, look, he, he told, uh, once again, he told my wife that, um, uh, and David and uh, Diane, who were there, uh, that... Um, he felt he he always had uh, the horse of John Sargent's uh, covered. He felt mm. that he was always gonna, going to get to him. Uh, he just took him a little bit longer than uh, <laughs> than we'd, we'd hoped for, but he felt he, he always felt confident in the run. Hey Nev, tell us the backstory of this horse. We were talking the other day. I think the story went you you bought three in New Zealand in this particular year, and, and this guy was the cheapest of the bunch, and, and the other two have gone on to do not much. And this guy's now the, the raging favourite for a Group 1 race in Queensland. Well, it just shows you the folly of racehorse ownership, uh, Ben. You know, you can you can never tell. Uh, you're quite right. The uh, 
the other two horses. One was called Kazalak, who's by Valamos. He was about 160,000. Um, uh, to be to be fair to him, he showed the stable a lot of promise, but he's had a few injury problems. But uh, certainly, uh, I'm not sure he'll get to the Group One status that we hope Pobalika uh, can get to. And the other one was a $380,000 purchase, and he's still a maidener. Uh, but he's by Ocean Park, so uh, we're, we're prepared to give him plenty of time as well. So, but yeah, you're right, 110000 I think we paid for this fellow, and uh, uh, and now he's sort of a uh, short-priced favourite for a Group 1. And, Neville, I found it fascinating in the same chat I had with you during the week. You were saying that your strategy with um, buying horses and getting into horses completely changed at about the Rangi Rangdu time. We all remember famously Rangi Rangdu. Before that, before he came along, you were very much in the, the sprinter's market and you just basically ran out of ammo, you know, with all the big studs and, and whatever, uh, buying up and whatever. And it was about that time you, you changed to the, you know, the milers and the, and the staying horses. And, gee whiz, it's worked beautifully for you, hasn't it? Well, you know, at the time I was I was buying gold. <laughs> you blokes are probably too young to remember, but I was buying golden glimmers and forest clothes and, and uh, uh, some other stallions I just can't remember. And, we were trying to compete with the John Tapes and the Dane Hills and the Vanes and things like that. And I thought, well, this, I, I just can't compete with those guys. And and as you know, probably the majority of Group 1 races in Australia are 1,600 metres and more. So we thought, well, maybe if we change strategy, and that's when I bought uh, Sir Pentire. I think uh, he won the Grand Annual, Robbie Lane came him in Melbourne. But primarily it was when Rangi Rangdu came along. He was also by Pentire. Uh that we, we got onto that that mile of 2,000 metre uh, plan. And it's just a model that we've uh, we've followed. And uh, fortunately, I've had trainers that can execute the, the game plan to support that model. Uh, we've got a horse in Adelaide that uh, Richard Jolly tra- trained called Kusadashi. And he won a South Australian derby uh, probably 10 years ago, or maybe a bit less than that. So, so yeah, we followed that. And, uh, yeah, touch wood, it's been successful. Another good point about Kovalika, and um, the, the three-year-old staying features during our summer carnival, it's fair to say they're not well uh, supported numbers-wise, but it gives connections who've got a potential staying three-year-old a good opportunity to have a look at that point of the year, see how they do stay or if they don't stay. Your horse is a classic uh, Casey. He won the two races, the, the Grand Prix being, of course, the, the grand final. And Gypsy Goddess was another good case in point. Uh, she came through that same series. Yeah, well, look, David, that's exactly right. We we hummed and hard. Chris was thinking, thinking maybe not to go down that track because there was still, and I don't think it's there anymore, there was still a question mark over Eagle Farm yeah. uh, back, in, uh, back in the summer, and we were just a little bit worried about doing, uh, having that preparation up in Queensland at that stage, which I'm really glad we did. Um, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't a fait accompli that we were going to do the, uh, I think it was the Eagle Way and the uh, Grand Prix. Yep. Uh, fortunately, we did, and uh, it gave us just a little bit of an insight into the horse's ability, and it gave us the confidence to not so much attack the, uh, to go for the, uh, AJ, the uh, Australian Racing Club derby, uh, but to really concentrate in the Queensland derby. So, uh, and here we are. 
Exactly right. Thanks for your time this morning, mate, and uh, we hope uh, this path continues down down the right track, but it's looking pretty good at this stage. Thanks a lot, David. Thanks, Ben. Neville Morgan and David Devine race Kovalika. Chris Waller trains. Nashua wrapped up the Group 2 double. From the beaten division point of view, I think that uh, Team Edmonds are, should be more than happy to go forward on the same path with the Vowels because uh, that was... Well, he hasn't run beyond 1,600 metres, but... At the outside gate, back to last, good finish. Yeah, very, very good finish. And to be honest, I thought perfect thought for John Sargent was very, very good as well. I mean, only got run down. He was wide in the run as well. Only got run down in the shadows of the post by Kovalika, who we think is potentially a very good horse. So I'm not quite sure what John Sargent's got in mind for perfect thought, whether he pushes onto a derby campaign, I'm not sure. But uh, I reckon he's got a decent prospect on his hands regardless. And the next... Key stepping stone towards the Derby in a month's time is the Rough Habit in uh, on the 13th of May, Dooman 10,000 day. Let's go to the other black type feature, the Dalrello for the two-year-olds. And Appen Girl was the best back runner. She ran the favourite. She's a rogue protecting the rail. Kept out line of law. They stride together. Then a line of three. Ten gun ready. Three deep. Doing a tough party for two. The setter. Appen girl. Fifth on the rail. Coiled away. Ready to strike if good enough. Zabo directly behind it. Then came Tiger Shark. It's a front. They pull right to the outside. In the home straight though. She's a rogue. Leads the way. Line of law on the outside is trying hard. Here's Appen girl descending. Party for two was wider. It's a front. even deeper. She's a rogue. Tackled and headed by Appen girl. Appen Girl race to the lead from She's a Rogue. Our wider party for two at Sofrado, but Appen Girl is too good. Appen Girl raced away, beat She's a Rogue. Sofrado third, party for two in four. Then Zabo, Tiger Shark, followed by Line of Law and Ten Gun ready out towards the tail. She looked good on debut at the Sunshine Coast. It turned out to be a strong form race, and she brought that provincial form to the city yesterday at only a second start, uh, securing black-type status, winning the, the Del Rello. Appen Girl. Yeah, I get more excited about horses, especially young horses, than you do, David. You're, you've been around for longer than me, uh, and you take a more sort of reflective, studious view. I, I get excited about horses. I'm really excited about this girl. I think she's potentially really good. I mean, to go from a Sunshine Coast maiden, a uh, month between runs, uh, to do that yesterday, uh, I thought was terrific, but it was more the manner of it. I, don't, I mean, we'll talk to Steve O'Day in a, in a minute. I don't think she really knows what she's doing yet. And to put two on the bounce, uh, including that win yesterday, she really blew them away. which was just terrific. Well, speaking of Steve O'Day, he's joining us now on Past the Post. Steve, good morning. Morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, well, thanks for joining us as well. And, and before she went to the, the Sunshine Coast, uh, obviously the stable always had a pretty strong opinion about this filly. Yeah, look, she's always been a horse that's shown us uh, really good ability, um, you know, right through uh, her previous preparations as well. Obviously, just taking a little bit of time to get there. She went shinny last prep, and uh, we just tipped her out and, and put her away. Obviously, it worked out well timing-wise to sort of have her ready this time of year. And, um, you know, obviously good to get the result at the Sunshine Coast where she was, you know, pretty impressive and um, was able to make the progression to stakes grade there yesterday. She looks very raw, uh, Steve. She's still very much a work in progress and probably doing it just um, just on natural ability without really knowing what she's doing. Is that, is that a fair summation? Yeah, look, definitely for sure. She's probably one of those horses that doesn't work so easy at home and never had to be put under sort of too much pressure at all. Um, so, you know, when it's come to race day when she's sort of got to the business end and been asked to sort of really extend, she's still a little bit green and, you know, wants to sort of roll in and that kind of thing. So, you know, I'm sure the, the, the more racing she does and the more she matures, she's just going to improve further. 
Steve, she's by capitalist. There's a good tick there. Out of a mare called Sartha Mare or Sartha Mara, she had a modest record as a racehorse, but as a broodmare, she's she's been quite uh, quite valuable. Yeah, look, obviously been a, a really good man at the stable. We've had the, the three now uh, out of the mare. Um, Caesar, who was obviously a Ken Russell winner as a two-year-old and, and won the Roman Consul in Sydney and also Doubt Defying, who uh, who was a Sale Cup winner for us. So, um, yeah, no, she's done a super job for us. Um, you know, good to uh, get another one out of the family. And, um, you know, I'm sure this filly's going to only build on her record as well. How far do you push into the carnival with the Steve? I'm, I'm assuming you might be looking at a Bill Carter or a Champagne even. Is, is it maybe just one more run, or do you push even deeper into the carnival than that potentially? Look, we'll obviously just be judged by her, but probably don't want to go sort of too deep in, into the carnival. I think she, you know, Matt and I both think she's definitely going to be a horse with, with more upside. She's not just your, your sort of cookie-cutter sort of two-year-old type. Um, you know, we had sort of probably planned just to go to the Carter and not sort of throwing the deep end too much is preparation but you know obviously come you know I was really impressive there yesterday and you know we'll obviously just see how she does over the next week or so um and then make a call but you know we're probably nearly leaning towards you know having a crack at the uh the champagne with her now that's on the 13th of May I had my money on chairman yesterday and when Spirit Queen loomed up I said well I've got something in my favor here she's been so honest but she doesn't win but yesterday as i said on the call who wanted it more and she did so she was very good yesterday particularly at 1300 and it's been a long preparation for her too yeah look absolutely look she's done a super job this preparation as i uh, said to bernie cooper post-race it's hard to believe that she couldn't get away with a maiden early in the mm. preparation you know she'd sort of loom up to win and was quite green and and couldn't really go on the job at all so you know deep very very deep into the preparation she seems to just be improving towards the back end of it. You know, we've tinkered around with gear a little bit with her, taking the tongue tie back off and, you know, taking the blinkers off and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, more than anything, I think she just likes to be to be really, ridden really quiet. And, mm. you know, I think uh, it's just a matter of getting good tempo in races uh, to allow her to then, you know, be able to finish over the top of them. And, um, you know, I think it's most important with her that when she's sort of hitting the front that she's, you know, going through her gears and she's sort of at her top if she's, you know, we, we sort of probably learnt that early in the preparation that when she sort of idles up to him and you ask her to sort of come off the bit quickly, she tends to sort of wobble about and, and want to wander about. So, yeah, definitely, a, you know, she's uh, got to a level of this preparation that we, we never sort of thought, thought she would if, if you judge a boy early runs. But good to see her get away with a, a city win um, there on Saturday. Steve, just going back to the Del Rello for a sec, what, what did you make of Appengill Stable Mate Party for two? Obviously, a bit of a headline horse having run in the Group 1 Blue Diamond. Uh, first run for you ran fourth, was never really looked like a winning hope. Uh, was there perhaps a bit of uh, hangover from a, a pretty extensive Melbourne campaign or, or does she need longer than this now? Or, or Where should she sort of sit, do you think? Yeah, look, obviously uh, disappointing on face value. Look, she just probably didn't hit the ground running there uh, yesterday. Um, she stepped a touch slow. Uh, obviously, Ben gave her a, a little squeeze sort of out of the gates then, but, you know, obviously the horse had crossed in front of her and, you know, she had a lovely run in behind, obviously, when the Appen girl sort of edged out to sort of come out and present. Uh, she gave her a little bump and probably got, you know, off balance there for a few strides as well. I thought she still knuckled down and, and um, you know, was genuine enough to the line. Definitely probably, you know, to us, I mean, we're obviously still learning about our only, only the first preparation with us and only had it for a few weeks, but gave the impression yesterday that she's probably going to be better suited over slightly further. Um, so something like the Carter over 1,200 in three weeks is probably a nice race for her. Um, just probably where she can get a chance to sort of 
you know, get comfortable and, and, and travel. Um, you know, even going back, uh, looking at her, her previous wins and that at the Sunshine Coast and, and at Dooman as well, um, you know, sort of mid-race, she's been able to sort of have a nice breather and then give a really good kick. So, you know, it's one of those things, again, I know Eagle Farm's a lot better than, than what it used to be um, in terms of, you know, not quite as firm, but she may be also be a horse that's probably more effective away from Eagle Farm as well, where she can just get a little bit of edge out of the track. Three quick questions before you go. We'll go bang, bang, bang here. Namazoo. Uh, right for the Archer today? Yeah, look, he's going really well. Obviously had a bit of a freshen up since his last run, coming back in trip, uh, trolled up nice at uh, Degan last week. He obviously finds a, a real quality race and he's not suited under the, the conditions of the race weight-wise. But, look, he's got a lovely gait. He'll get a lovely suck run there. And, um, you know, that big, long straight at, uh, at Rockhampton's really going to suit him. And, look, he has does have the advantage that that used to be his home track. He's a winner there and, and was, uh, was trained there for a long time with Ricky Vale. If they start to get a bit leg-weary, he'll just keep grinding away. Do we see shooting for gold during our carnival? Yeah, you will. Uh, look, he's back in the stable, been back for a few weeks now, uh, just up to doing some galloping work. So the plan with him is just to, to have the two runs, uh, this preparation, he'll run first up in the Lightning, and then he'll go to the Healy uh, at the end of the carnival after that. Lightning and Healy. And when do we see Scalapini? Scalapini runs in the BRC Sprint three weeks before the Stradbroke. So obviously a race that he's going to get plenty of weight in, but he's his weight certainly hasn't stopped him his last couple uh, that he's won at Flemington that's for sure and look it, it just fits in really well with him uh, sort of didn't want him ha- probably up any sooner than that and obviously if we waited for the Kings and Smith two weeks before he just likes to have his run space a little bit more than that so will be a nice kickoff race for him that BRC sprint at uh, at Doombin and then that leads obviously three weeks into the Stradbroke. Good work thanks for being with us this morning. No worries thanks so much. There he is, Steve O'Day, in the training partnership with Matt Hoister. Let's push on. Let's have a listen to Spirit Queen now win the, the three-year-old race yesterday. Race five. Down by the 300 metres, they're across the track. Spanish Angels, standing order. Chairman grabbed them. Billionaire Baby boxing away. Spirit Queen out wider. Chairman reached the lead. Spirit Queen after it gamely. Spirit Queen and Chairman. Let's see who'll be the strongest. Who wants it more? Spirit Queen or Chairman? Spirit Queen. Big Chairman. A Catarina. Out of the ground. Third. Memoria fourth. Then Billionaire Baby. Benedict Liamati. Standing order. Well back in the field was Spanish Angels. And Elston last home. Well, I wanted it more with Chairman, but Spirit Queen had other ideas and was too strong. But she's she's uh, she's been a real revelation, turning it around from being what even Steve said, like an on-speed horse who struggled to win a maiden. And I thought she's limited to being ridden differently and responding to that and racing very consistently, very well in good class races. Yeah, for sure. Chairman really loomed as a the winner there, um, but Spirit Queen uh, was up for the fight. Uh, which was terrific for the O'Day Hoisted camp. I think that was a running double for them, wasn't it? Or the very yes, it was. Uh, so very rare that we see a race meeting, a Saturday race meeting, without that training team getting at least one winner. And Tino's creating plenty of conversation. They're trying to get him to the Stradbroke handicap in six weeks' time. He took another little step along the way yesterday, taking out the benchmark 85. Let's have a listen to him in action. 
They are spread out around the turn. 4.50 left to run. Legal Esprit in the drover stride for stride. National Choice three away in third. Then paddled as Viral. Followed by Substantial getting about its business. And now Antino starts to move into his gears and run on generously. The drover and Legal Esprit from National Choice. Substantial. Antino on the outside. Slowly but surely picking them up. He descends now Antino. The favourite races to the lead. And he goes away to win. Antino beats Substantial. National Choice third. Third, the drover fourth, then Paladas, followed by Legal Esprit, then came Batiga, Arctic Thunder, Gapster Driver Deal, Viral Jetty, Patton, Slow Hands, and more than number one, whipped them in. It's funny, isn't it? He's $8 in the Stradbroke in fixed odds markets. He's probably a longer price to get into the race. Yeah, that's a ridiculous quiet. Having, having, said, a knee-jerk reaction. having said that, he, he, he looks to have significant potential, mm. significant upside. Um, but that was an important win yesterday because that horse really needed a ratings boost just to get into the BRC sprint. So hopefully now there was a bit of a sense of relief from Tony Gollan there yesterday. Hopefully that does enough for his rating to get him in the BRC sprint. And, of course, if you win the BRC sprint, you're in the Stradbroke. So, look, I mean, if he wins the BRC sprint in devastating style, he arguably is an 8 to $10 chance in the Stradbroke, but he's still yeah. got to do it. But it, it, it's good as well. It's good to see progressive horses being talked about and delivering on the day which he is so he's an exciting prospect there's no doubt about that uh he's beating up easier opposition but you can only beat what's put in front of you and in terms of ratings he was 84 going into yesterday he got six and a half winning the other day he'll probably make it a bit more uh, because it was a harder race so he'll be in that low 90 range which should get him into the brc spread and then as you say he wins that he's in the Stradbroke. If he runs well places, he'll still get a, get a still few ratings points and he may sneak in, but generally you need triple figures to, to get into the Stradbroke. Yeah, this, this just quickly, this Stradbroke market is very weird. Um, think about it, is the $5 favourite uh, runs in the takeover target next week. Um, good horse, but $5, not sure. Antino, $8, we just talked about. Half Cabin, will Half Cabin go to a Stradbroke? We'll have to wait and see. Cardinal Gem, I know you like, David. Won well in Melbourne yesterday at fifteen dollars. I couldn't disagree with you there. Uh, that horse, that horse has uh, got a booming finish. My 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 men tell me probably a little bit flattered on wet track, like, like better on wet track. So whether we get a wet track or not, but nevertheless, there's Stradbroke bound. And that was a good win yesterday. Uh, one other point to make from yesterday: Serpentine in a four-horse field led all the way, well rated by Tim Clark. We expect that he heads towards the Brisbane Cup. Yeah, four-horse race. I'm glad they kept that race uh, because that's the first uh, Epsom Derby winner to ever run in Queensland and uh, the first uh, his first start for Gay, Waterhouse and Adrian Bott uh, was a nice win. Just quickly before we move off Prism, we should also send a shout-out to Robbie Frad, who had a big retirement party at the races yesterday. The jockeys formed a special guard of honour for him at one point. He had a, a private box that I went up to for half an hour or so. Very, very popular jockey and um, mentoring young jockeys at the moment and, and really enjoying that. So good on you, Robbie. Yeah, it spoke very well yesterday. Thanked everyone. There were a lot of people to thank. OK, next Saturday, of course, is uh, Sunshine Coast. It's the Gold Coast meeting, so it's the coast-to-coast race meeting. Lots of feature races there next week, including, of course, the Group 2 Hollandale Stakes. Just on that, David, uh, Cascadian is at the moment uh, the second favourite for the Derman Cup and was expected to run in the Hollandale. Will not be coming, uh, is spelling. So $4.50, I think, at the moment uh, behind Zaki in the Derman Cup. You can rule Cascadian out. The first of four big days at Morpherville was uh, yesterday, Australasian Oaks Day. This was the Group 1 feature for the three-year-old fillies. Arts was the favourite, $5.00.
It's more rewards, 600 metres to run in the Australasian Oaks, a narrow leader and here come the challengers. Party Princess, four and five wide, Amphina, a swear, Ferris Weaver, then Kiliaco and Presenia March has darted up the rail and now taken the lead, Presenia March, but a Ferris Weaver quickly swept up to hit the lead with Party Princess trying to gain in, then Starry Ann and Jenny Lala, a Ferris Weaver, a half on Presenia March, Jenny Lala's digging in late, so too Starry Ann and she fit, a Ferris Weaver in front she's fit wider out driving a Ferris Weaver wins the Australasian Oaks ahead to the Western Australian filly, she's fit third placing maybe Jenny Lala, Starry Ann, Presenia March, close up then Moya Lass from Wakamana further back at the head of the others was as time goes by from Amphina and then pulling up towards the back is Aruga Mama with running on time, Amati more reward and Kiliak She's in a stern filly. It was only her sixth career start yesterday. She was pretty plain in her first campaign. She was beaten at Coleraine and on the synthetic at Pakenham. But as is often the case, they take a break. They come back stronger, more mature. And she showed that fourth run in winning the Australasian Oaks of Group 1, first light racing colours. And, of course, that followed her win of the Port Adelaide Guineas. And from a Queensland point of view, she's more than likely to come for the Queensland Oaks now. And she's currently there at $8. $8 co-favourite. It's a wide market. But uh, she's a very strong stayer. It was 2,000 metres yesterday, but she covered ground all the way. Drew 16 of 16, exposed, but too tough for them. The traditional lead-up to the, the derby in two weeks' time is the chairman stakes. And Loco was the favourite at $2.05. They swing for home and Swazero narrowly in front of Sir Kingsford who's running a cheeky race. Loco in behind Red Sun Sensation is moving up behind them and so too nearer the inside is Verifier. Then Whispering Lady, Swazero, Loco, Red Sun Sensation about to join them. It's Swazero narrowly from Loco. Red Sun Sensation is powering through. Red Sun Sensation hit the lead. Red Sun Sensation, it's Williams again. Red Sun Sensation beat Loco. Swazuro, Verifier and then Whispering Lady with Raven, Prince Takia impending link, Sir Kingsford Karaka Kiwi then further back to Thirsty Guest a long gap to Super Stock and Rich Result Craig Williams riding for Peter Moody a $12 chance Red Sun Sensation goes to the SA Derby in two weeks time, a bit of a jump up 2,000 up to the 2,500 metres the other feature yesterday was the listed Port Adelaide Cup Supergirl giving them something to chase in the Port Adelaide Cup. 600 metres out, a couple clear on designs who's hard at work. Horrifying likewise, Dixie Whistler's hoisted the white flag. Getting past her hustler walk, clever man, Sabona Verimley, Canford. Long arm still got heaps to do. Captain Envious got past him. Supergirl's done all the heavy lifting. She's still two in front from designs, whacking away. Hustler war, the others seem to be battling. Supergirl, she's on tired legs, but she's still in front. Big Hustler War clawing back the margin now. Clever man late. Hustler War race to the lead in the Port Adelaide Cup and it's Hustler War to win. From Clever Man, Designs took third. Ahead of Supergirl. Long arm. Captain Envious. Then Wolf Prince. Sabona. Canford. Horrifying. Next one in the race. Smiling Assassin. Dashing Willoughby. Then Salute the Stars. Verimley and Dixie Whistler is one of the last. Sue Murphy prepares her team in the southeast at Narrow Cordage. She's done a great job under difficult circumstances with Hustler War. He's a rising eight-year-old. 
He's only had the 23 starts. That was his eighth when he's been injury played, but he was very strong, um, relishing the 2,500 metres. And congratulations to Tegan Vorham, one of her biggest wins, if not her biggest win. Of course, she's a kilo and a half claimer, but uh, couldn't claim in the listed feature yesterday. But Sue placed her faith in Tegan, and Tegan did the rest. Just one more point on uh, yesterday's racing. Arts, we mentioned the favourite in the Oaks, was beaten a country mile. It was actually eased down. But if you backed it, you'd be none wiser after the uh, stewards because they vetted it and no abnormalities. But maybe she's come to the end of her preparation. This is past the post, a short break. Back to discuss the Archer and the big day at Shard Tin on the other side. You're listening to Radio Tab's Pass the Post with David Fowler and Ben Dorries. Welcome back to Pass the Post. Thanks for your company. Of course, Pass the Post brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Go to their website, archerparkracing.com.au. Today is the second running of the Archer, the Bentley's Archer at Callaghan Park in Rockhampton. $775,000 in prize money, 400000 to the winner, and 12 runners of this slot race will do battle at around 4.09 Queensland time. I wanted to check the weather this morning in Rocky and also the state of the track, so, of course, curator Trent Williams is joining us first up. Trent, good morning. Morning, Chuck. How are you? I'm well. Uh, weather-wise, are we, ha- are we going to have a good day in Rocky? Beautiful day, mate. Very light cloud cover going to be lifting shortly. Thing is about as high as 28 degrees and light winds. Perfect. Did you have a couple of mils of rain overnight? We did. We had two mil at the track. I'm I'm not far from it. We had 10, so I was, got up there in the middle of the night. I had to come down and have a look, but no, all good with the five mil irrigation also overnight. The track's going to play out beautifully. So what have you rated it this morning? Uh, it's genuine soft five, mate. I think before the first or second race, you, you'll see it get into that good four. Sounds like rating. a... Sounds like a perfect racing service. What have you done with the rail today? Uh, it's into two and a half out from seven and a half from last meeting. We haven't been on this inside pad for four to five weeks now, so good good cover of grass and that. Perfect for racing, mate. Trent, I watch a lot of the races in Rocky, and from my observations, there's very little, if any, bias on the track. It, it seems to play fairly uh, most meetings I see. Yeah, I, I like to think that too. I think they're 600 metres straight. You know, they've got to pick their runs, and you can come from absolutely anywhere. Have you got a tip in the in the Archer? you like one yourself? Oh, mate, if, if I was having a bet, which I don't, <laughs> uh, Star Tontes or Surf Dancer for me. Good on you, mate. You've prepared an ideal service. Uh, congratulations to you and your team, and have a great day at the track today. Thank you very much, mate. Have a good one. Yes, there he is, Trent Williams. Let's uh, have a chat now with Russell Leonard, who'll call all of the action today. Russell, good morning. Yeah, good morning, David. Good morning, all. It's going to be a great race day today. It's the second running of the Archer, but a carnival's more than just the race day. It's what's built around it, and it's been, I'm sure, it's been a real buzz in in Rocky this week. certainly has, David. It's been a terrific build-up, and we've had Gay Waterhouse in town as the ambassador for the Rocky Eminers this year since Thursday, and she's a a breath of fresh air, and she was very uh, well... Uh, received at the, the Calcutta on the luncheon on Friday. And uh, so much so, our Calcutta got to in excess of $130,000 uh, the uh, progressive pool got to on uh, on Friday. But uh, she's been terrific in not only promoting the, the archer and the concept, she's got a runner, but promoting racing itself. And uh, it's terrific to have people like herself. Max Whitby from Sydney's been here since Wednesday as you know, the people from Archer Park Racing. Now, Chris Lees was there on Friday as well. 
and uh, you know the, the the representatives from Australian bloodstock. So it's something very special, not only for for racing here, but for the community. And uh, I think we're going to be looking at a million dollar race next year. Yeah, that's good to hear. Tell me about that barrier on Wednesday with the cows. What actually happened there? Well, it was it was unique. Um, we went to a property called Paradise Lagoons, which is owned by the Acton family, and they've been great supporters of racing here in, in not only central Queensland, but Queensland Australia-wide. And uh, Alan Acton, who we lost only recently to uh, an accident, a uh, farming accident, who was on the board of the Rocky M. This was in- instrumental behind uh, the Archer, but you, we drew out the uh, the horses' names and and they had the the lineup of uh, of seventeen Angus heifers, and uh, these cattle were on display, and they've been working with these young cattle for some time. In fact, they sold them all the following night in a uh, in a in a in a candlelit you know, scenario sale. And uh, so you you're drawn out, and then the slot holder would go down, you'd select the heifer, and a heifer would have uh, a number. Uh, to it, and uh, that was your barrier draw. So that's how it was conducted. Fair enough. Uh, crowd-wise, what are we expecting today? Look, I think we'll uh, we'll have a, a crowd of in excess of the, around that five thousand dollar mark, and uh, five thousand people. That uh, it's been a terrific build-up, and uh, we've got beautiful weather. And as you spoke to Trent earlier on, we're going to have a terrific racing surface. So. I think we're going to have a record crowd here today, and uh, as I said, it's uh, it's building up to be something very, very special. Representation-wise, as far as the race is concerned, we've got horses from right down the eastern seaboard. The representation from the jockeys as well. We've got Dylan Gibbons. We've got uh, Reagan Bayless there. Uh, Zach Lloyd's arriving. Uh, Karen McAvoy. So a great riding representation, a great training representation. Let's check the tab fixed market. Vega won, Saddlecloth won at 19, Gemsong 15. Last year's winner, Emerald Kingdom, $6 right up there in the betting market. Surf Dancer for Gay and Adrian at 9. We had a smart one, 550. Alpine Edge, 18. Namazoo, I think, is the outsider at 34. Mountai, 9. Animate, 31. Blazer Trail is at 19. Star Tone, 3.20 in favourite. We spoke with Rob Heathcote earlier. He's happy with her. And count the beads for Archer Park at twenty three dollars. Um, from the Calcutta, what what went, went for the most money? Star Tondes mm. uh, was bought by Whitby Bloodstock. And of course, they've got uh, we own a smart one who's on the second line of betting, so they're probably a little bit of an insurance for for Max and his team there. But uh, it went for thirty two thousand Star Tondes. It was the uh, the well sought after horse, and uh, well, naturally, it's your favourite. I noticed it was. Uh, got to 4.40 mid-morning here, and uh, it's firming right up now and uh, you know, back into that 3.20 mark, which I think she's entitled to be that. She's the winner of the of the Tats Tiara last year, and a run in the Stradbroke uh, preceding that was good. And it's a big, you know, it's a long straight here. It should you know, suit a horse that can run on. But, David, like you're a, a, a form analyst, it's a race that doesn't look to have breakneck speed in it though has it no exactly that was a similar story last year you know apache chase and emerald kingdom were up on pace and emerald kingdom nabbed apache chase on the line so in saying that uh, what are you selecting in the in the the archer look i'm with her but i just need 
pace in the race, you know, to allow her to get back. She's got the extreme outside gate, so she's going to virtually... Jimmy Orman will have to you know, snag her back and go back to last, and you know, whether he tries and shreds the needle or he, he loops and coming towards the corner. But you're going to want speed on for her to get home because, you know, these hard old sprinters kind of thing, if they can get a, an easy sectional early midway in the run, well, they can come home sub-34. Well, they take a bit of catching, don't they? But in saying that, if, if someone does uh, decide to put the speed on a little bit, I do think she's she's entitled to be the favourite and the one that can get home over the top of them. Uh, I think we own a smart one. If you're a forgiving person, you can forgive that disappointing run in Sydney last start. Has had two trials since to prep up for this. I, I do think he's uh, a definite chance and... I think last year's when Emerald Kingdom's in the race right up to its ears, and uh, you know he's he's trying to defend his title. I'm leading towards Emerald Kingdom. I thought his run on the Ascot was good, and it just looks a good map for him. Thanks for joining us this morning. Enjoy the day today. Enjoy the broadcasting, all of the action, and uh, appreciate your support, mate. Thank you, Dave. And we've got uh, we've got Jared Wessel in town. He's going to uh, help out a little bit today. He'll be calling a couple of races, so. Uh, I've got to do a little bit of work down in the Lexus tent uh, earlier on in the afternoon, so you'll be hearing Jared uh, crafting his trade uh, as well here today. Good to hear. Thank you, mate. Thank you, David. Russell Leonard joining us. What's your tip of the Archer, Benjamin? Yeah, something from left field, uh, Alpine Edge. I'm going to have a few shackles on each way at $18. Um, ran second to Yellow Brick, who we all think is a potential Stradbroke contender in the King of the Mountain. Won a million-dollar race on the Gold Coast. Last start. Uh, on face value was terribly poor in the Ascot handicap, but went around with only three shoes, which is mm. far from ideal. So, look, just think if you're looking at one for a sneaky each-way shot, Alpine Edge. Doesn't win out of turn, um, but an each-way play for me. $18, I like Emerald Kingdom. Michael Maxworthy joins us from the Sky. Michael, did you have a thought of the Archer? Oh, I think Star Tontes is going to be hard to beat. That Ascot form stood up at Eagle Farm mm. yesterday. Um, I'm sure they're going to go at a strong gallop there because of the prize money. It'll generate um, a fair bit of pressure as well and she'll get a chance in the home straight. So that was a booming finish in the Ascot. So look out. And I think she's so well handicapped under the weight scale there, the weight for age. This Champions Day, of course, the, the pools are being co-mingled. So the, the, U, the UTAB punters uh, will be the beneficiaries. Huge tote pools today. Uh, yeah. It's Champions Day. Uh, this day's had a bit of a hit in recent years through COVID. Are we back full throttle today? Well, we've got quality there. A uh, fair bit of uh, uh, interest from Japan. They always come to Hong Kong, whether it be the internationals in December or this Champions Day meeting. And they've got some nice horses there. But down in numbers, I think there's only each way betting on two of the uh, Group 1 international contests today. But there's a lot of quality. And you mentioned betting I think the local Hong Kong punters are going to ensure that there's a that there's a red hot favourite in each of the three international races today. Well, Lucky Swainess is going to be red hot in the the chairman's sprint, going for five in a row. Is he unbeatable? I think so. Um, he's the four year old, clearly on the way up. Wellington, I think, is a three or four time uh, Group One winner, but I think the baton has clearly been passed to the younger buck in Lucky Swainess, Sack Purton, I think that's trying to get some interest uh, regarding the Everest in October. And should he win today, I think they're keen to go to the Yasa the Kennan in Japan in early June. That'll be another challenge for him because mm. that's 1,600 metres. We know that he's very versatile, 12, 1,400, and he should be winning. I think Wellington does get that soft run, though, 
to maybe test him a little bit, but clearly Lucky Swain is ahead of Wellington in the sprint. Just quickly going to ask you, Michael, just about that. Zach trying to negotiate an Everest slot for Lucky Swain S. How good is he, do you think? And, um, you know, lining up against Australian sprinters in an Everest, I mean, competitive or not? Oh, look, Ben, competitive, but I, I, I couldn't entertain him as a top four chance. If he finished midfield in an Everest, I'd say that he's gone well. It's difficult to line up like versus like. Like, he's been running against Wellington, who's a good horse for a number of seasons, and... He's a little bit out of out of luck in the international sprint in Hong Kong last December, so we couldn't get a real guide on him there. He was badly held up in the straight. He's a good quality sprinter, but I don't think he, you know he's not a giga kick or an Amelia's jewel. So, but it, it'd be great to have him there. The added attraction, he'd run well, but I really couldn't see him figuring myself. The Champions Mile, uh, Golden Sixty in California, Spangle Corner of the Market, Golden Sixty currently odds on and. California Spangler, clear second pick. Yeah, should win. Um, California Spangler, he'll lead. And also healthy, happy. There's been a lot of talk in the media during the week in Hong Kong, which one's going to lead. I believe the instructions to both riders will be go on. And that's just going to play in the hands of Golden 60. And he should be able to win again. It, uh, it hasn't been mentioned much, but Golden 60 was actually born and raised at Element Hill, only 100 k's from Brisbane mm. at Rathdowney. And have a look at his record. He's won 24 of 28, 26 million Australian dollars. He was just born and bred, you know, <laughs> about 100 k's away. So it's been an extraordinary story, and I think he'll add to that today. My O'Bron's probably got a need to lift, but Annabelle's probably got a good form line there with laws of indices around third to California Spangle um, and Golden Six, uh, California Spangle in the International Mile last year. And Voyage Bubble is back from the 2000. Turned an unbelievable performance to win the Hong Kong Derby, but but he'll be winning Golden Sixty. A lot of interest in the race, though, just have to watch him go around. In the QET QET Cup, we're going to watch Dubai Honor with a lot of interest after being here, of course, winning the Queen Elizabeth. But Romantic Warrior and Joe McAboard is the favourite. Yeah, well, he's been beaten by Golden Sixty these last two, um, and that's understandable because of the credible ability that Golden 60's got. But I'm tending to look at Dubai Honour, and if you're having a bet today, you know, in that massive pool, I'm sure the locals are going to hammer Romantic Warrior with McDonald on because they know him like the back of their hand. And I think Dubai Honour's probably going to go out overpriced, and I think he can win. Like, he, he, he's never gone better, this Dubai Honour, and he did actually run well in Hong Kong back in 2021. Um, he was a terrific... Uh, fourth placing behind Love's Zone the year. He was only beaten a length and a quarter and had to try and barge into the clear, but he was great over the final 100 metres. And that was on a, a firm track, so that won't be a problem for Dubai Honor today. And I think he can make it three group ones in a row. And the price is what's sort of going to sway me. But Romantic Warrior can bounce back. One of them will win it. Of the, of the Japanese horses, the one that I'm most interested in is Perton's Mount Prognosis. But uh, Dubai Honor for me in the QE2. Well, the three big ones. Anything else apart from that that you liked? Well, I've been following this horse called Beauty Destiny in race two. He's having his first start today, and I think he should just win. He was with Team Hawks. He won a couple of trials at Rose Hill very impressively. And since he's been in Hong Kong, he's won three trials impressively again. So if ever a horse has been set to win first up, that's him. Race two, number five, shot in Beauty Destiny. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your time this morning. Okay, thank you, fellas.
There he is, uh, Michael Manksworthy. Um, we might have a chat with him tomorrow morning on Press Room as well. Ben, thanks for your time this morning. Yeah, thank you, David. And, folks, thanks for your company. Always appreciate it and look forward to being with you on Press Room tomorrow. Until then, have a good day. Bye-bye.